0: My guest today is a best selling author whose book, Job Joy, A Guide to Success, Happiness, and Meaning in Your Career, is making waves in the Amazon charts. When she's not writing, she's an international keynote speaker and coach, delivering presentations on strategy, innovation, marketing, and women in business. She's spoken at events like the Lead Summit in Singapore, the Open Innovation Summit in Boston, and the Next Generation Customer Experience Conference in San Diego. And somehow she finds the time to contribute to the Huffington Post. Career Girl Network, and Levo League. It's no surprise that I've been looking forward to having her on the show. You're very welcome, Kristen Zavo.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So Kristen, what was it like, you know, entering into the space of today, but, you know, before your career even started?
1: I would say that I grew up... Um... I grew up where success came fairly easy to me. You know, I studied in school, but I always got straight A's and made my parents proud. And um, I think through that, you know, that followed me through college. And I just got into this mindset of, you know, setting a goal, accomplishing it and, you know, getting, getting my fulfillment from that. And it wasn't until, you know, a few jobs and many years into my career that I realized that what I was seeking, that definition of success wasn't really my definition. I was seeking outside approval and, you know, wanting to make my LinkedIn profile look great. My resume look great. Say I was talking to important people and doing important things, but that wasn't necessarily making me happy. Um, that okay, so yeah, so
0: so there was a there was a social element there. There was there were social pressures um, that was kind of influencing you to to go down the wrong path.
1: Yep, absolutely, and it's not. It was the wrong path for me. Um, I would never say it's a bad thing for someone to do well in school and um, mm-hmm. you know, go to college and grad school, and that's all wonderful. Um, but I was doing it from a place of looking. For external sources of success, not necessarily having that self-awareness of what was it that I wanted to do? How did I want to contribute to the world?
0: Okay. And do you remember in in your own head, you know, what that definition of success was at the time?
1: Well, success was having a great job, having a corner office. Um, I always imagined myself as a kid, um, you know, wearing suits to work, having a big office, (laughs) making good money. Um, having a team, um, you know, all the things that, you know, society tells us. I think that um, a lot of well-intentioned parents will push on us because they want us to do well. And, you know, we all think that that is what success is, really climbing the corporate ladder, getting to the top and making lots of money.
0: Yeah, that's actually a common answer that I guess um, whenever I touch on this definition of success is 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 the monetary side of things. Um, so when was the first experience, you know, in your life where you realized that you had even an opportunity to change direction or even a need to change direction?
1: Well, I'll, I'll start out with before then, and then I'll get to your answer. Um, when I was in college, I just wanted a job, you know, to get experience. So I, Applied for just an office job at a company that did um, test prep. So for you know SATs and GMATs, all the tests you have to take to get into school. And you know when I had the interview, she told me, "Oh no, you're not going to be in the office. You're going to teach." And I was like, "What?" Um, But just you know that led me to teach, and I did you know private tutoring later, and I found that I really loved that teaching and that coaching and you know, being in charge of a class. And there's something about teaching that you can see immediate results. You can see in this case, kids scores going up or them doing better at school. And so I did that through undergrad and grad school. And then after I graduated, I got, you know, what I considered a real job. And I went into banking and portfolio management and investment banking. And, um, you know, at first it was great. You know, I, for my first job, I was making more money than I thought. It sounded impressive, right? You know, I was 21-year-old mm. doing portfolio management. <laughs> and, you know, a few months in, I started to realize, oh, no, I don't know if I like this. Um, you know, I was reporting to, you know, like five different managers, which is normal in portfolio management. Um, you know, each manager thinking their work was most important. Mm-hmm. I... Um, the nature of the banking industry is that you are promoted on tenure. So just how long your butt is in the seat. And I was used to, I had gone through my life more on performance. So, you know, I finished college before the age of 20. I finished grad school by 21. And so I was used to, you just move at your own pace. So that was um, tough for me. Um, And I didn't realize it until... After the fact, in retrospect, but while those seemed like they were the problems, what was really the problem was I was questioning if my work mattered, and this was the first time that I really, you know, started to consider: does my work have meaning? And in this case, you know, I had a portfolio of all AA and AAA companies, so you think of, you know, companies like Exxon or um, Simon Property Group, which is a big mall owner in the U.S. Um, these very well-established, good companies that no matter what my underwriting said or my analysis said, they were probably going to get the money they were asking for. And it didn't feel good to feel like my work was a check-the-box check activity. Um, and so that was the first time that I really started questioning things and the first time I had an official career change.
0: So you were, you were questioning things. You were you know validating the the level of meaningfulness of the work you were doing um and even when you look back at teaching you could see the immediate impact and arguably the impact of actually helping you know kids learn helping anyone learn is is a lot more meaningful than you know simple profit that's not i'm not just saying that it is but you know when you're thinking about these big corporations.
1: Yes. And it was, it was a stark contrast. And luckily, you know, I had that at a young age being able to compare. Um, and also, you know, the corporate world, just the nature of it, um, you're not going to get a a gold star pat on the back for doing good. You know, if you don't hear anything, that means you're doing a good job. So that feeling of, um, making a difference. It's not the same as in an industry like teaching where you see it every day where, you know, you have students writing you thank you cards. Um, That's just not the reality. And of course you need to, it's also not healthy to always be looking externally for that. Um, But it definitely was not an option um, in the corporate world.
0: Okay. So in your maybe I'm incorrect in saying your search for meaningfulness or even your recognition that what you were doing wasn't meaningful. Was there anything going on in your life at the time at this kind of point in your career where um, you were you were passionate about something?
1: I knew I was passionate about teaching and I continued that on the side. I was actually working with this teaching company for about eight years um, and I have even gone back in the last, you know, five seven years when I was in the middle of another career transition. So that's actually been a constant for me. Um, But at that point, I wasn't sure that it was meaning. All I knew was that I wasn't happy. I needed to get out. I needed more of a challenge. And you know, my my concern at that point was it had only been a few months. Um, By the time I left, it had been, you know a little bit over a year. And at that time, you never leave a job only a year in. The mm. rule, the unsaid rule is you have to stay at least yeah. three years. Um, and again, why do you do that? You do that so it looks good on your resume. And in the meantime, you're yeah. wasting time and and unhappy. But I left anyway. I think uh, I think I had chutzpah because I was young. I had invested a lot of years. And you know, after I left, I found out that a handful of other people in my group left. So it's important to, it's an important reminder that sometimes being true to yourself, it gives the people around you the courage to do the same because they saw, oh, wait, she's been here less than me. I don't need to wait three years, you know? And, and so you, by being true to yourself, you're actually not just helping yourself and whoever it is you're serving, but you're helping the people around you. To do the same thing
0: even though it's quite an inward um decision to make because you're you're probably constantly questioning whether this is the right decision especially if it's the first time you've you've left a role the the actual once the action's made the the ripple effect can help yes others.
1: absolutely
0: so i noticed that you studied um a, a business administration and psychology um And then following that in an MBA, was there anything in terms of the learnings you took from psychology that that's helped you, or even in the MBA that's helped you reach this point faster?
1: Um, I would say what drew me to study psychology, um, and marketing, uh, both of them really, even though they seem to be different schools, um, is that I've always been interested in people. Um, of course, when I was going to school, I thought I would definitely be in business And I wanted to understand why people did the things they did. There's even um, like a quote in my yearbook where, you know, they ask you, you know, I don't know, your biggest question or what you want to solve or whatever. And my answer was, I want to know why people do what they do. Now, I have a, you know, a degree and many more years of just life. And I can tell you, I still don't necessarily understand that totally. (laughs) And a degree is not going (laughs) to do that for you. Um, but it was my interest in and love of people, the people side of things that drew me to that, um, to that degree. And then of course, marketing, it's all about people in business and how do you connect with people? How do you reach people in business? And I had very little time between undergrad and grad school. And the reason I ended up, um, getting my MBA with a, um, Concentration in finance was, and this again goes for the outside, um, external factors. I had an advisor tell me, "You're really good at math. Why don't you get a finance degree? That's going to give you more opportunities." And yes, I was really good at math, and I'm, you know, I'm so glad that I have that degree. Um, math is important no matter what you're doing, but it wasn't my passion of finance that. That led me to get that. And then, you know, I ended up in a 10, 12 year career specific to finance, which was not my passion. So doing what, um, doing what was advised to me and not following, you know, my heart, which was in the people side, you know, led me to a completely different career. And I, I do believe everything happens for a reason. And it worked out just the way it was supposed to. But maybe I would have gotten to my, my passion faster had I not just done it just because I'm good at math. And, you know, especially at that time, you're a woman and you're good at math. You better show everyone,
0: right? (laughs) Well, what you're saying there actually resonates with me. I I remember when I was starting my career, um, I actually first studied a bachelor's in property economics. I wanted to be an estate agent, um, and I was very much money-motivated. So that's the, that that's, was the only reason. I think the property market was really good at the time when I was, was starting that course. And then things changed, And but it, also in myself, things changed. I realized that the more experience I got in that industry, the less I was confident that this was the, the be-all and end-all career choice. So, um, yeah, I, that, a lot of that resonates with me. And I think even the courses that I did after were very much just to generalize my academic experience and and have a broader uh, catchment of opportunities after.
1: Yes, it's so true. And the same thing for me, you know, there's always a job in finance and finance is the place to make money. Um, And that's what you hear. And that is the truth. Um, But is it the right motivator is what you have to ask yourself, I think.
0: Kristen, d- deep question here, but, um, I want to ask it early because I feel like you, you have a lot of perspective on this, but w- what kind of philosophy do you have on life?
1: Oh, that's a very deep question. I wish you had given me like a night to think about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was intentional. <laughs>
1: but it was intentional. on the spot. <laughs> um, I, well, there's a lot of things I believe in, um, I, I believe probably one of the, the big things is that we have a choice in life. Everything is a choice. Um, we have a choice to be happy. We have um, a choice in what we're doing. It's never too late to make a change, it's only too late when you're dead. Um, you know, your, I think self awareness is paramount to any big decision that you're making. Um, I found that a lot of, lot of things we think are wrong in life, and if we're talking specifically about work, you think it's your boss, you think it's your workload, you think it's this project, it's because you're not getting promoted, all these reasons that we have for not being happy, but in reality, it all comes back to you, and there, you know, a, a lot of that is in control. Really, I would argue most of it is in control. Um, in your control. You know, when I felt that way, it's because my work and the people that I surrounded myself with weren't in alignment with my gifts or my desires or my personal definition of success. So of course I wasn't happy. And yes, maybe I did have a bad boss. I know I absolutely did. Maybe I did deserve to be promoted. But the fact is, I didn't want to be there anyway. You know, and. And all, all our fears, they really come down to, you know, not being good enough, um, whether it's a fear of being judged, what will people say, a fear of setting boundaries and standing up for yourself, right? It's about how you're seen, and um, you know, all of that. all our fears can really, I think, be, be fixed with a few things. Number one, mindset. Number two, a plan, and number three, action. So you know, action is the antidote to fear, as they say. So that's that's a little bit of my life philosophy. But I'm sure if you gave me more time, I would have planned it out in a more articulate <laughs> that, manner.
0: That was very articulate. I I really like that answer. And um, and I'm sorry for springing it on you, but um, I'm I'm really glad with the outcome. So um. No, I think you really hit hit the nail on the head there. I think a lot of my audience is in that you know fearful stage, mm-hmm. whether they know it or not. Um, and I think that when I when I when I say people are stuck, I I can only really reference myself in that. Um, I I felt stuck before. I was doing a lot of things that I think society accepted as success, and um, I think it was only when I started being you know true to myself and. What actually I was firstly strong at, um, and I could out loud say that I was good at, and they were my strengths. And then secondly, what I was passionate about. And um, I, I think only when I had those conversations, um, with myself, it like took the time to actually do that, did I did things start changing That's for me. It. So, um, what you're saying yeah. resonates with me. It
1: just and what people don't appreciate necessarily is that it takes a lot of courage. To be honest with yourself, to be honest with the people around you, and then to actually take action on it. That is a very scary thing, and I would bet that the majority of people don't actually do that. That's how people get to you know retirement, and they say, what have I done with my life? Um, they weren't true to themselves. So just having that inner dialogue and that conversation, really thinking about it without considering the judgment of, of others, including yourself— um, puts you ahead of most people
0: do you consider yourself you know an introvert or an extrovert I
1: like to say I am a social introvert the most social introvert you'll ever meet so I do love getting out and talking to people um, I love speaking I love connecting I prefer to connect in smaller groups um, you know I, I You know, if I'm presenting, that doesn't feel as tough to me. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, I need my quiet time. I don't want to have plans every night of the week. Um, If I've had a day where I've been presenting all day, I'm dead tired. I want to go home and watch TV and just chill. No more talking. So that's why I call myself an introvert, just because that's where I get my energy from, my quiet time. Um, But I am social. So a little bit of both.
0: I asked that intentionally uh, again, because when I, when I referenced my own experience, I remember feeling really tired in the the jobs that I didn't enjoy. Um, And I think for me, I didn't really recognize that I was an introvert in a lot of ways, but I was actually pretending or acting like an extrovert in in that job. So I feel like a lot of people are actually like, if they're ever, I'd love to get your opinion on this, but Maybe someone who feels, you know, conflicted in work or tired at the end of each day, maybe they are putting up some level of front um, in their role just to, to uh, like succeed. Well, in their definition, society's yes, definition. It's, it's true
1: that society does um, favor and reward extroverts. Um, you've probably heard of the book Quiet by Susan Kane. Um, you know, she, she literally wrote a whole book on it. And I think if you do find yourself exhausted at the end of the work day, it could be a few things. It could be because you're doing too much work and you have too much of a workload. You're working too many hours. Um, it could be because you're an introvert and there's a lot of energy that is spent on being on. And it could also be that you're not into what you're doing. You're not passionate. So of course, um, you know, you're going to be tired and bored even if you had, you you know, you checked off a bunch of to-dos. Or it could be a combination of of those three things. Um, But if you believe that it's because you're an introvert, there are things that you can do. Um, You know, small things like, you know, if you work in an open environment, you can, you know, maybe have a couple hours a day where you're working alone in a conference room, or I would go down to our cafeteria sometimes. And for me, that also had the purpose of having focused time and not being interrupted. But you know, for an introvert, I think it would help them too. So they're not always around people. Um, I think having honest conversations with your team and your boss about your communication style, um, what works for you, what it is that they need, and you know coming to an agreement so that everyone can get their needs met is important um so those are just a couple of things off the top of my mind but my point is even if you do find yourself an introvert in a job and you know you can't change right now or you want to make the best of it before you do there are definitely things that you can do
0: well that that's going to be uh, welcomed welcome news to a lot of my listeners so um thanks for kind of summarizing that um the, the the last point you touched on actually um, about being honest with those you work with, particularly yeah. if they're your manager, um, I think uh, a lot of people in um, well, a lot of people who are influenced by the success of others, uh, you know, the success stories they see online, um, maybe they feel like when they're they're not succeeding um, as fast, um, they're they're less confident. They probably put themselves to blame instead of anything else. So this is something that I'm hoping to, hoping to, you know, uh, bring awareness to and um, in having conversations with yourself and, and others is that, um, there is an element of self-assessment and, um, and even getting, gaining perspective of where you're at and why you're there. Um, that I'm hoping to yes, achieve. At the show.
1: Absolutely. Um, and, conversations having difficult conversations I think is so important for your ultimate success not just at work but in personal life um you know we're talking about it now in terms of communication style but it's also important in setting boundaries and you know there's an even that's even important in figuring out how whatever you're doing you can find fulfillment you know digging into the why are we doing this and what is my piece in it um and there are ways that you can do it. You wouldn't come into your manager and you know slam your fist on the table and say, you know, no more calling me out in the middle of meetings. It makes me freeze, and I need time to think. I'm an introvert. I can't answer right away. But there there are ways to do it where you can look at um, look at things from the point of view of your manager. Or, you know, your boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever it is that you're talking to, put yourself in their shoes, figure out what it is they want, and then how you can meet that need in a way that works for you. So, you know, in the example I just gave, you know, your boss always puts you on the spot. He makes you nervous. You don't have the answer right away. You might share that. Um, You know, when this happens, it makes me feel this way and I can't be as, you know, useful and productive for you as I'd like to be. So before our, you know, Monday morning meetings, I know you plan them in advance. If you could give me a little bit of a heads up on the topics or what questions um, you'll have, that will help me be better prepared and help both you and the team. And, you know, it's a way to meet them where they are, but also get your own needs met as well. And, you know, in that example, it's a way that you could be more successful and shine by being true to the person you really are. Wow.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. And gain credibility too. in exactly. in, in the meantime, um, yeah, for, for a lot of people quite junior in their career, quite, like quite early on. And yet again, I'm referencing myself. I think it's kind of black and white when, when you're viewing the work you do and that, uh, that's what's expected of you as a manager. Um, in that if you, if you're not willing to do it, or if you feel like you're not prepared to do it, um, you're either like the 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 risks are s- severe, so it's you're going to get fired, or um, you're going to get reprimanded. Whereas I think the reality, and I don't know if you agree, um, I, th- I think you might, is that employers are very eager to meet you more than halfway. They want to make sure that you're comfortable in what you do and that you've got all the support that you can to achieve what you want to, what, you, yeah, what you're to achieve. Yeah, I think it depends
1: on the employer. <laughs> I think it depends on your manager. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, absolutely. Um, and there's a way that you can frame things so that it really is a win-win for everyone. Um, you know, millennials get a bad rap for wanting to do things their way before trying. They get a bad rap for always asking for feedback Um, you know, managers will say, I can't give you feedback every single day. We'd never get anything done. Um, But there's a way to, you know, also meet them halfway, really getting to understand why they're asking you to do things. So many times we do things at work. Um, I know earlier in my career, this was the case where I would be told to do something and I would do it, um, but not understand where it fit in the bigger picture. And so as a manager, now I always share that because I know it's so important, you know, to feel like your work is meaningful. But also if if you're asking these questions, it shows you're curious, it shows you care, and it will also help you do your job better. So if if you know you were asked to pull together a spreadsheet um, and you ask your boss, okay, well I'm I'm interested, how will this be used? Who will see this? Um, understanding that will let you do your job better because you might know the details of something that your boss doesn't. So when he says this is going to go to the board because they're making a decision on XYZ project, you might pick up on things that they don't even know to ask to tell you because you understand how it fits in the bigger picture. So Mm -hmm. it's a win for you. You're doing your job better. It's a win for your boss. Um, And all of this is just being curious and showing interest. And Employers, of course, love that. So, again, it's how you frame it. How can I do my job best for you um, rather than, hey, I don't like to do it this way. I want to do it my way. Even though you might get the same result.
0: Yeah, well, I can I can already see you in the meeting room, you know, putting up your hand and oh, asking, yes. asking questions. So you painted <laughs> yes, paint the picture. Um,
1: you know, at work, I became known for the person who would <laughs> always ask questions and people would think the same thing, but I was afraid to ask. <laughs> And you know, you if you if you ask a question, you risk potentially looking dumb for a moment. But then you're going to be dumb for months and months, and you're never going to be able to get your job done, right? And odds are that if you have the question, so do other people.
0: So, Kristen, if I'm listening, um, which I am obviously now because we're speaking, but if I'm uh, if I'm eavesdropping in on this episode, um, I hear someone who's you know on the other side of the kind of torment involved in, in being in a career where you don't want to be there where you're not you're not feeling fulfilled in a role. But is there anything that when you're looking back in your career that you would do differently? Um,
1: number one, I would work on that that self-awareness and you know there are lots of questions you can ask yourself, which I'll get into in a moment. Um, but remembering not to just take action for action's sake. In the past, um, especially at the beginning of my career, and I even find myself doing this now, if I don't like something, I just want to do something to change it. And that might feel good at the Mm. moment, um, but it's not getting you closer to your goal. So really taking the time to say, why am I unhappy? Is it the job? Is it the workload? Is it the environment? Is it the people? Is it that... I don't think I can be successful here. Is it, I look at what my boss does and I don't want to do that. Um, is it, I need more flexibility. Um, is there any way that you can get aligned with your organization's goals? Is it that this job doesn't allow me to spend time on what I say is valuable in the rest of my life? You can have the best job ever, but you know, if if you don't have time for family and friends and health, all the other important things, then it doesn't matter how great your job is, your life will feel empty. Um, and so getting clear about why you're unhappy, getting clear about what success is to you. Again, we've we talked about this before, but doing that scary thing of being honest, maybe success is not climbing the corporate ladder. Maybe success is... I want a good job where I make good money, but really, it's so that it can fund the rest of my life. Maybe success is, yeah. I know my um, my parents really wanted me to be a lawyer, and I went to law school, and I'm here, and I have you know this prestigious job, but I hate it, and I'm on blood pressure pills, and I'm gaining weight, and I don't have time to date and meet the love of my life, and but I have this great job. Maybe. It's time to admit that's not the job for you. And that might mean going back to school or it might mean trying something else, but really defining what success is to you and doing all this, all this self-awareness work before you take action. Because once you know where you're headed, you can build a plan to get there, right? I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say, yeah, let's take a vacation, get in the car and just drive aimlessly. You've got to know where you're going if you want to build a plan to get there. Otherwise, you're just you're just wasting energy taking action for action's sake, and you're probably going to end up in you know another bad situation just with a different set of problems. And what's the point in that?
0: So you, you touched on at the start there, um, and this isn't um, an opportunity to reveal too much about the book. But is there any tools that you could recommend? That you have used, so you've had proof of concept that have helped you. Whether it's uh, feeling calmer in a, a, in a work situation, or even um, gaining perspective on your own life, is there any actual tools? They may be something that you've included in your book, yep, or they may I've not. I've got be, plenty that you've of tools, to and
1: I am not hiding them, uh, so you have to buy the book. Because um, actually, <laughs> I will well, at the end will we'll have an offer we can give your. Your listeners, a free book. Um, but in the book, I do have an entire chapter on how Amazing. to be happy now. So, this chapter could be for you if you're still figuring out what it is you want to do, you know, and you need a little more time. It could be for you if you need more time because you're building up your finances so that you can quit. Or maybe you're looking for another job. So whether you're staying in your current job for another month or indefinitely or forever, there are lots of things you can do um, to be happy now. Um, A lot of them do have to do with mindset. Um, One of them is setting boundaries. A lot of the times, the reason that we're upset at work is because we're taken advantage of and pushed around. And... um, You know, I give, I give an example about one of my past clients who was a consultant. So she was on the road, she was working six days a week, you know, 12 hour days. And she had her breaking point was, um, you know, one night she missed her flight. The flight had been canceled and she wasn't able to get a seat on the next flight like the rest of her coworkers. And so she ended up staying in a hotel. She didn't have any of her toiletries because in consulting, a lot of times you just leave your overnight bag at, at the client site. And so, you know, mm. the next morning she does catch a flight. She ends up, you know, walking, walking into her apartment and she gets a text from her boss. Yeah. Are you going to make the call? And here she is. She hasn't even showered. She's in her same clothes. And it was you know, a rebellious act for her to put down the phone and take a shower and miss the call. And this was just her breaking point because, you know, her, her boss didn't say, how are you? Did you make it home? It was just, are you going to be on the call? And that small act, which sounds ridiculous now, right? Mm. Um, But that small act of putting down the phone and taking a shower you know, changed everything for her. After that, you know, she she called her boss. She got an update. The world did not end. You know, we all think if we stand up for herself, for ourselves that Mm -hmm. um, something bad is going to happen, you're not going to get fired um, for saying, no, I I have a commitment at night. I need to leave at whatever time. And there's, again, there's a way to do it, um, you know, to do it with grace um, and setting expectations. But, you know, from there on out, um my client set more expectations around when she was working, when she was on, is it appropriate, you know, to be taking calls at 10 o'clock at night? Um, and for her, the answer is unless there's emergency, no, because I need time to rest in order to be my best self the next day. Um, and she ended up, she was miserable before. She ended up not even changing jobs or careers. Um, just the simple act of being aware, standing up for herself. Um, made her more productive at work, made her happier, you know, and helped her with the rest of her life. So, setting boundaries would be one of one of my tips. Um, another big tip I would say is taking care of yourself. And you know, if you have a pet, do you have a pet? Do you have a dog?
0: Oh, absolutely! She's uh, she's snoozing on the couch right beside me at the moment. All Not right. that I'm on the couch. My my desk is beside the couch. <laughs>
1: So your dog gets plenty of sleep. Um, Is it a he or a she?
0: It's a she. Her name's Jessie.
1: So Jessie gets sleep. She gets exercise every day. She gets good food. um, And she gets playtime. So most of us, when we are crazy busy at work, we treat our dogs better than we treat ourselves. and. That you know sounds funny now, but when I realized that, that was a very sobering moment. Um, You know, we very basic. I'm not talking about planning a vacation or going to the spa, and those are all Mm -hmm. great forms of self care. But the very basic, getting enough sleep, eating good food. Right, we all we all stress eat and eat bad things that then make our our energy levels go crazy, and we crash, and we're even worse off. you know, moving every day, it doesn't have to be going to a gym, but making sure that you're moving your, bol- your body. Um, and I would say bonus points for meditation, um, you know, and having that quiet time to center yourself. And it's all connected, right? If you're, if you're meditating, you're going to become more self-aware. When you have that quiet time, you're better prepared to take on the day. And it literally can be two minutes. This doesn't have to be a monumental add to your to-do list but really taking care of yourself and making that a priority because if you are taking care of yourself you're going to be better at work. And I know I'm saying this and I know people, yeah, 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 but just wait till I finish this project or just wait till the end of the month or wait till, mm-hmm. you know, things close. The fact is it's never going to be a good time. The more stressed and crazy busy you are mm-hmm. is the more you need to take care of yourself in the most basic of ways. So that is a tip I will say, and I know people won't listen to it. Um, But at some point when some, when you have a health crisis, um, then you you will. That's one day, yeah. Yeah, you will listen to it. So those are, those are a few things I could go on.
0: No, that's, that's, they're perfect. So the boundary thing resonated big time. um, And the latter one is actually probably on my to-do list. Um, I, I feel like Jessie definitely lives a better life than I do. She's she's lounging <laughs> on the couch now, um, and she's had two walks today. So
1: right, um,
0: yeah, I, I, I completely hear you on that one. And I and actually I wouldn't be so sure that um, people won't won't take that seriously. I think it's it's actually very very sensible advice.
1: It's sensible, but it's, it's tough when you're in the middle of it. Um, mm-hmm. And I have to remind myself of it all the time. When I was working on tight deadlines for the book, you know, I would have 24 hours to turn it. And I remember one particular time I woke up. I didn't even get out of bed. I propped up my pillows. I had my laptop. And I said, let me just do a couple hours before I jump in the shower. And all of a sudden, it's 3 p.m. And I get a text from my boyfriend. Are you still in bed? (laughs) You know, are you still working? Have you moved? Are you taking (laughs) care of yourself? (laughs) You know, and so Uh. that you have to constantly remind yourself of um, that your care has to be a top priority. You know, taking care of yourself has to come before work. And I know that that's a, a strong statement to say, but it's the truth. You know, we're all...
0: And that's what we're here for, the truth of it. So that was the the perfect segue. (laughs) 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 So look, if if you're listening and you've been inspired by Kristen's journey, um, I want you to visit jobjoybook.com. So... There, you can actually pre-order her book. It's actually officially released on April 10th. Um, there's an offer you mentioned?
1: Ah, uh, yeah. So if you if you go to jobjoybook.com right now, that will bring you to the Amazon page. That's because I'm working on my JobJoy uh, website. But if you just email me, um, I will send you the book for free. So Kristen at jobjoybook.com. My name is spelled K-R-I-S-T-E-N. Um, at jobjoybook.com and I will send it to you that way. So even easier if people are listening to this later and it's not on the pre-order special, um, I'll give you the book for free.
0: Well, that's so kind of you. And thank you so much for, for sharing today. Um, I'll, I'll probably be selfishly emailing you after this so <laughs> with the same request. Yeah. <laughs> but no, seriously, um, a lot of what you shared today resonated with me. Um, so I know I'm not alone on that. Um, so what I'll do is I'll include all the, the social pages for, for you um, and the Job Joy book in the episode blog post and, and everywhere else. So once again, Kristen, thank you so much and best of luck with the year ahead. Thank you so much.